Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we thank you tonight as we gather together according to your commandments that we not forsake the coming together, but Lord, that we should exhort one another more and more as the day of your coming approaches. And we give you thanks for giving us a pattern to follow after, like you did in every previous generation, as you did to Moses, giving him a blueprint of what he was to furnish and to lay out and to build and to edify. You also have shown us how to build our faith life, our spiritual life, so that we might offer sacrifices of praise, so we might offer the sacrifice of our lips that worship you, O God. As you speak to us from your heart each meeting week after week, we pray, Lord, that our heart would not despise your word, but that our heart would be open to receive your counsel Because you said he who received the counsel of the word of God will be a prosperous man in all his ways. Teach us the fear of God. Teach us how to please you. Teach us out of your word how we're to proceed even in times of difficulty and adversity, O God. Give us courage and strength that we might be who you've called us to be and that we might fulfill that which is lays ahead in the coming days, months, and years. And to you be all the glory, all the honor. To you be all the praise, O God. And that you would be manifest through your spirit in our lives. And that you continue to put our lives together that have fallen apart. Give us wisdom and allow us to grow, embracing truth and forsaking the filth and ungodliness of this world. Remove from us a spirit that is contrary to yours and make us fervent in the spirit of God that causes us to please you in all things. Prosper your word in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in the nations of the earth as you use us as instruments in your hands and we proclaim your truth in all arenas, Lord so that men might see your face and hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sunday was a very powerful service as we talked about this issue of abandonment. And it seems to be that many times we're highlighting that which is more of the nature of darkness and, 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 and Satan. But... I want to spend a little bit of time discussing the aspect that probably is totally opposite. We did talk about it on Sunday, which is the opposite of abandonment is the nature of God, which is called omnipresence. That means he's always going to be there. Um, Even, and this has been a dilemma for many Christians when they say, God, why don't I feel you? Listen to me. Even if you don't feel God, he's there. And that's, that's, that's a big and important scenario. I remember uh, a lawyer friend of mine that I would preach to for 10 years and I would always tell him, you gotta come to the Lord, you gotta know God, the eternity. And he's one of the best lawyers in town and a real good friend, but, but he finally, for after like 10 years of talking to him about the Lord, he sent me a gift to my office. And the gift was wrapped in paper and it was a, it was a sculpture, a frame that was sculptured inside and it says, whether we acknowledge him or not, like saying, because he would always say, well, I really don't uh, see it the way you do. He says, whether we acknowledge him or not, in Latin, God is always present. And even atheists, even if they believe in him or not believe in him, that does not mean he doesn't exist. And so we should know the nature of God. We've talked about the nature of Satan and abandonment, but the nature of God and his existence with man is that he created man for a companionship with his presence. 
This is, the, this is what yearns in the heart of God. He wants to live life with us. And verses like Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, he says, everyone who's called by my name, I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I formed him. Yes, I have made him. And so there you see the heart cry of God. Listen to me. If I made you, you belong to me. And I made you for my glory. And I made you so that I could have you. And so that is real. And so we don't have any identity crisis in not knowing who we are and what we're here on the earth. And, and that could be, I, for, for years I would ask God, and I, you know, I didn't know the Lord until I, I went to college, but for years I would ask him, why am I here? Why am I here? So I finally know I'm here because he made me and he made me with his purpose in mind. And so now I started praying. That was, that was that was my prayer for a long time. Lord, since I'm here and since you made me and since I belong to you, then let me do what you put me here to do. Let that be a reality. I, I don't want, and I stop, I stop pursuing personal pursuit. The Bible says the Gentiles run after the things and they run to and fro trying to, I, I don't know, to, they have ideas, they have plans, but, but God has a glorious plan and in his glorious plan, the most incredible thing is that we can fulfill it. We can live in that purpose. In fact, one of the things that struck me uh, really hard was 1 Corinthians 2.9. And that was coming into church the first time. When I heard these words, I said, wow, this really caught me off guard. He says, it's already written. These things are already established. And they're not established books written by men. These are things that God has written down. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered the eyes, the ears, nor the man's heart and his imagination have understood the things God has prepared for, established, he pre, before, paired means he sized it up for those who love him. So we were created for the company of God's presence in our existence. And if there's anything crucially wrong with this picture, it's the fact that when God wants to come into our lives, we, res we respond with the words, mm, I know you want to come into my life and I know all these things, but who are you? Who is, who is this guy? And so you'll see here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, as he reveals himself to a mighty man named uh, Moses, uh, after he explains a little bit of his plan to Moses and his purpose upon the earth, Moses says to God, indeed, when I go to that place and do what you're telling me to do, when I go to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you, the God that, that lived long ago is sending me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? So this is, this, listen to me, this is huge disconnect. This is huge, I don't know you, I know you have a plan for me, but I don't even know what your name is. And so that is the condition of common man, and that's why they freak out when we come to tell them. And this is, this is basically the story, Romans 3.23, because every single man has sinned, has departed, has, uh, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, you could underline glory of God, and that is the game plan. God wants to direct your feet to establish his glory upon the earth, and it's not without the presence of God. It's not absent his accompanying us in that, in that scenario. Um, Verse 10 of that chapter, Romans 3.10, and gives us our biography. That's, it's written, there is none who is seeking after doing things right. No, not one. Verse 11. 
There is none who understands. There is no one seeking after God. God. Verse 12. They have all turned away. And they have become not glorious but unprofitable. There is no one who does good. No, not one. And so in this regard, um, as we talked about on Sunday, uh, the nature of leaving, I, I want to talk about how we return and, and really come to the place. Um, I'll tell you something, we might be so far off course that even when we get a little bit back on course, we think, well, why are you continuing to tell me? I'm, listen to me. Even when you think that you're on course, just because you're not as far off as you once were does not mean that you not have to press in and to become more intimate with God and to hear his voice more clearly and, and really uh, pursue this desire. Because um, I was saying in 1950s, a young man by the name of Elvis Presley came on the scene and from 1950 to 1970, I think he died on 76 or 77. So that is 27 years. And I don't know if you think 27 years is a long life. And say that 27 of those years, the last 10 were filled with drugs and, and disconnected in his existence. So he really just had 17 years. So I'm wondering if we think that 17 years worth of our life doing whatever we want is worth pursuing and forsaking the plan of God. And now when, when I was a child and I saw this icon, this celebrity, I would have sworn he lived a thousand years. I would have thought that those 27 years and minus 10 would be 17. I would have thought those 17 years, man, this guy had already been living for a thousand years and it wasn't. And so what I'm saying is life is very short, place in context. We're only here for one reason. Let's live for God and get out of here. Let's shine for his glory. Let's not put any other glorious pursuits. How many, don't lift up your hand because I don't want to embarrass you, but listen to me. You're doing nothing consistent with pursuing God. And so I was telling someone yesterday, I want to get to the place where my entire life is consumed with what God wants. Because I spent the first 15 years of my Christian life asking God for a thousand things. Hey, Lord, you think you could give me a college degree? You think you could give me a car? You think you could give me a wife? How about some kids? How about a house, Lord? How about this? How about that? And I never asked him, what do you want? I was embarrassed. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. And not, Lord... I'm a miserable, wretched fool. How can I begin to tell you how to set my life? So I began to pray, Lord, uh, your will be done, not mine. Your, whatever, your, whatever you call prosperity, that's what I want. Whatever you call a marriage, I want my marriage to look like that. Whatever you call a family, I want my family to. Because it, the more I subtracted me, the more, and I was telling this to, to Danny um, this afternoon, I said, if you're making all the decisions in your life, you're going to be a miserable bum. If you're making all the decisions, and, and this is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I sought out to please myself, and I grabbed all sorts of gardens and building projects, and so I, I did harvest the fields to get fruits. I had, I, 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 I hate life. It was all a reflection of his selfishness, of his personal pursuit. And so I said, when your schedule is full of what you don't want to do, the glory of God is at hand. 
You're denying yourself all out. And let me tell you something. It's the most interesting life at all. It's the most amazing life. Um, Jesus describes it like this in John 10.10. He says, I, the thief cometh but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have an amazing life. So here it is. The devil continues to tempt us and put things in front of us and, and we are forsaking the listening to the call of God, the pursuing of his presence. A, a God that wants to hang out with us, wants to abide, wants us to dwell with him, not for a season. Because if you know anything about anything, it's only for a season. All, all other pursuits are temporary and vain. They don't have a promise after a season. And you could talk to anybody. Talk to Joe Montana. Talk to anyone who's pursued anything on the earthly realm. The Bible says the glory of this world is passing. And so are those that pursue it. But he who does the will of God, he says he abides forever. You don't go off season. You don't get expired. You don't, you don't become rotten and, and, and put away. So he says, yeah, the devil has come to plot a game plan to deprive us and, and separate us from God. And that's, that's his attack, separating us from God, from God's voice. Um, the voice of a million things are louder. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have a measure of life that is according to God's measure. We always say it here. What is God's measure? Abundance. Abundance of all things. And that's why we fall short, grossly short in our sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So pride arises in our hearts somewhere. We see this in the first man in Genesis uh, chapter 3. Uh, he's tempted. Man is, is seduced and deceived away by a cunning serpent. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than all the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Listen, the devil is an expert wanting us to feel deprived. Because God had made all things for men. He had made all things for his enjoyment. Um, some people feel that, that God is, a, is stuck on a religious frame of mind where you don't enjoy anything. Now, let me tell you something. Put yourself in God's game pattern and journey, and you'll see enjoyment for real. Amen. I mean, my, my family, uh, we, we never even thought that God would, in his goodness, take us to Israel uh, take us to Switzerland, take us to South America, Central America. Just the journey of God's purpose for our lives. And, and it's awesome. I'm, I'm excited. My, my, my sons have not traveled as preaching uh, preachers and pastors. I'm excited about the plans God has for them. I could just see them just, just really being led by the Spirit of God to be the men of God upon the earth. Not, listen to me. We're not going to follow Ricky Martin. You kidding me? We're not going to follow celebrities and they, they think that, no way, no way. We're going to follow a glorious God who has a fascinating life, an adventure, a journey that's full of purpose and, and particularly of enjoyment. Um, if you could stick your hand right there and don't, don't move from Genesis 3, but I, I want to... We were reading this in the men's meeting yesterday, and it was 2 Timothy 6, where it says, tell the rich man not to put his confidence on his wealth, because that's going to fly away. 1 Timothy chapter 6, sorry. 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, tell the guy who's placing his confidence on his personal accomplishments
I'll get it for you guys. Same thing happened to me yesterday. Okay. Let me see if I didn't write it down here. Verse 17, that's what, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Here it goes. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be proud or trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God. Place your confidence who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Amen. Amen. See, you know, we've been stripped of it. Well, if I give my life to God, then he's going to make me. No. That's Satan's downright pitiful lie. God is the one who is not uncertain. But he gives us richly all things to enjoy. We go back to Genesis 3. We see the man caught up in the predicament and in the lie of Satan. Did God say that you cannot eat of every tree? He's a liar. If God keeps something back from you, it's for your own good, not because he's evil. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God says, you shall not eat it, you shall not touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so the, women fell, the woman fell in the trap, saw the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make you wise. She took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them are open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They chose something, another provision that was not God's provision. And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cold of day, and Adam and his wife, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. I want you to underline presence of the Lord. Presence of the Lord. They walked away from the presence. What are we doing now? We are talking about how we're going to return to the presence. How are we going to really come under the full measure of God's accompanying spirit in our lives? It was pride that led them, the Bible says, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, that caused them to sin and separate. And when they are falling because of pride in sin, separating, and then what they do is when they're, when they're questioned, they justify the word excuse. They say, well, the reason why I'm living like this is because, and then we have our long list of reasons why we're living separated from his presence. And so we, we, could all, we could all participate, right? I could give you my schedule. I could tell you what, what, how life, how horrible, and how I need money. And we just, we just start adding all the excuses that are telling God why we can't embrace what he had planned for us from day one. And so that's where we need to acknowledge. And I want to tell you something. The way we get back to God is starting with the things we're doing now. Let's get rid of the excuses. There's no excuses. The only way we could start walking back, we got to kill these demons that have set themselves up, separating us. So what reason is there for not giving us ourselves entirely to God? We sang that tonight, right? I surrender all to you. What, 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 what is it that you're putting up there? And so you, you, I, if, if I'm up to it, I'll grab that excuse and throw it right in the trash. It has no value. There's no reason in the world that you should be separated from God's plan. There should be no lifting up of, oh, you gave me a wife that doesn't. That's a scapegoat. You're throwing your wife under the bus. You know, making her an excuse, making that. So I don't know. You could put there on your papers, you know, Lord, what are the reasons? Even, you know, he, David says, 
not only the words uttered by my mouth, but the meditation of my heart. What is lodged in there that is the reason why I'm not fulfilling God's plan for my life, my family, my wife, my, you know, the heritage God has for me? What are the reasons? And so part, if you were ever to read part of the vision of this church, the Lord says, there will be no excuses for the people who worship here to ever justify not doing the will of God. No excuses. We're a church of no excuses. People say, oh, Pastor, I want to hear it. I don't want to hear your reason why you're not giving your best to a God. I don't want to hear it. So, okay, so we go here from this step to we're drawing back now to God. We, we have eliminated the hindrances, the obstacles. We're, we're returning to our purpose and, and, and so that's, that separation is, he says, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Take me serious and I'll take you serious. Get, get serious with me and I'm going to start speaking to you personally. And then he says, the, the sin in our life, you've got to identify those things. Uh, sin, Bill Gothard has the greatest definition for sin. It's what we, it's an illegitimate way of obtaining what God has promised us. That's the best definition of sin I've ever heard. You, you want recognition, so you go out and do it in the world's way. And God has recognition. It's going to take a while, but you'll be a prince over nations. It, the, the thing is coming, but don't sell out on the devil's imitation. So everybody who's in sin is choosing an illegitimate Gift that, that, that um, it mimics the real thing that God has for us. Amen. And so we see in the example of the devil telling Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the, the glory of the kingdom of the earth. If he would have bid on that fake thing, he wouldn't have been keen of kings. He wouldn't have had not only of the earth, he's keen over every principality and power in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. The devil was just negotiating the illegitimate provision of what God had the true substance of. So whenever you're selling out on the devil's temptation, you're falling short of what God has for you. So drawing back has to do with um, doing away with sin, the illegitimate provisions that the devil hands us out. I'm always, I'm always uh, surprised by people that bite on the devil's negotiations. I'll take care of you if you, you, you forsake your call. I'll take care of you if you stop going to church. I'll take, and so the negotiations are crude and rude. And you bite on the devil's proposition, but you sell out on God's vast provision. Vast. Huge. And so, finally, instead of pride, our last returning to God um, is humility. That's, that's how you get back on track with God. Ephesians 2.13, it says, Now in Christ ye sometimes at one time were far off. Ephesians 2.13. You who were far off, now he has already made a roadway back through his price, his blood. And so verse 14, he has become our peace and has made both one. He has, he has brought us back to the presence of God. And he broke down the wall of partition, the middle wall that held us separated. And he abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man and making peace. He restored us back to original purpose. Verse 16, and he might reconcile us to God in one body by the cross, having destroyed our, the enmity. Verse 17, came and preached peace to you who were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access through the Spirit of God. And now we're no longer strangers. Now we don't have to say like Moses, who are you and what do you want? We're no longer foreigners. We're fellow citizens with all the other people that are members of the household of God. 
And so I want to tell you something real quickly. In Colossians 3.3 it says, For you died and now this life is hidden with Christ. You, You need to put away what you think life is. It says, now you died and your life is hidden with Christ. I, and the Lord called me out of the law practice. I was like, Lord, man, I'm going to die. I mean, this is my career. I mean, I'm just getting to the real sweet spot in my career. And the Lord says, well, you know something? When you were nothing, I was able to open the doors for you to be a lawyer. And so if you lay that down, I'm going to bring you into the life I have with you. I'm going to bring you into your purpose. And until you lay it down, that's not going to manifest. So our life is hidden with Christ in God. The more you give yourself over to God and disappear to this world, the more. Then, verse 4, then when Christ is everything in your life, when Christ is your very breath, then also will appear with that life glory. When you go in that direction, then you're going to see purpose of God. Verse 5, so therefore, destroy. This is one of my favorite verses. This is a kind of suicidal verse here. Kill. This is the only time the Bible tells you to kill yourself. Put to death all those living members that are making you move in earthly pursuit and desire. Every passion, every, every want. Every, if I could only, if, if one day, kill it. Don't let it breathe. Don't let it, do not let that thing come alive. Kill every pursuit of natural desire, every want, and all those things. I mean, he had to kill it there, Paul. He, he tells us everything we're doing, washing the calling of God in our life, It's just idolatry. What's idolatry? When you lift something up as more important than God. And so God wants us to be the manifestation of his glory upon the earth. Acts 17, 28, Paul would describe it like this. It's in him that we move. In him we live. In him we have our being. We are, we are the offspring of God. We're not living our life. We're living for our Father. He's our very breath. He is our, uh, he is our maker. He is, he's the one we are to, to, we're not to... We're not to, you know, put on stuff that promotes anything but Christ. That's why I hate wearing Calvin Klein jeans. My life is not made to lift up anybody but Christ. Now, I'll wear Calvin Klein's. But I, I just don't like it. I don't like to promote the glory of the things in this world. I was created to promote God. Amen. I was created to show people how amazing God is, how faithful he is, how real he is, how misinterpreted. Yesterday at the TV program, they were saying, oh, and Jesus is an extraterrestrial. It was, we don't even know who your God is. Who is your guy? I said, his name is Jesus. And, and she goes, well, you guys don't know what the truth. Listen, the truth is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And, and in this world, people are confused. And we're the ones that need to be manifesting. Hey, excuse me, what are you doing out here? Well, I don't know, man, but Jesus is, what do you mean Jesus is real? And you're out here eating pig slop with me. How, how are you? an heir to the throne and you're eating what I'm eating and you're as empty as I am and you're pursuing what I'm pursuing. That, my friend, is what God is talking about tonight. Ephesians 2.10 says, we're his workmanship created in Christ for good works, prepared beforehand, before you were even born. These things are there with your name on it. That you should walk in them, not in the pursuit of other things. So here, man tries to do, okay, God, I know your game plan. Now give it to me. I'm, I'm going to go and do what you want me to do. No. Galatians 3.1, you foolish Galatians. You thought that you could start with God and then you end up doing the rest? You end up doing what you feel is comfortable? Who has demon-possessed you? 
Who bewitched you that you should not obey truth? Christ died to portray his crucifixion for something, not for you to play religion, not for you to be philosophically literate in ecclesiastical uh, words and try to, 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 to do an Adam. So Exodus 33, 14, Moses says, my presence will, God tells uh, Moses, I'm, I'm going to be the source of your future. Uh, my presence will go with you, and I'm going to bring a refreshing to your life. The, walk with God. Walk with God by praying without ceasing. I, lo- I love that verse in Acts 3.19. It says, if, if you turn back to his game plan, he's going he's gonna to blow some wind underneath your wings. And you're going to reach eternal purposes. Your life is not going to be a, a flashing, artificial, you know, art, what are they called? Um, firework. You're not, you're not just going to be a fizzle out in shade. You will be living a destiny of legacy to be shared from from generation to generation, your children will speak of your courage in the purpose of God. Not that you were a Jonah. Not that you, 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 you ran from God. Not that you forsook him. Acts 3.19 says like this. It says, um, turn back. Be fully given over to God. So that your sins may be blotted out and so that times of refreshing will come from his presence, from the presence of the Lord. And so we pray without ceasing. Our constant prayer is this reality. For some Christians, they only pray on Sunday or when they have problems. James 5.16 says the effectual, continual, insistent prayer of a righteous man will be powerful enough to bring him to the purpose of God. Verse 16. The effective, fervent, effective, fervent spirit, a prayer of a righteous man brings him to much purpose. Much purpose. Availeth much. Malachi 3, 7. He tells him, for ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my, from my word and have not kept them. What does he say in the next verse? He says, return to me. No, 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 go back to verse seven. He says, from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. You have not kept my commandments. Return to me. This, this word, this, this word is Jesus. This is, this is the manifest reality. As we put his word in reality, we're returning to him. And if we return to him, I will return to you, he says. But you said, in what shall we return? God, what are you talking about? In this whole book, they're like, we don't understand what you're telling us to come back. Well, start doing what the Bible says, in other words. Get, get pressed into that reality. Joshua 1.8, he promised if we get into that reality, and that word does not depart, Joshua 1.8, if the book does not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, then you observe to do according to all that is written there. For then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have amazing success. If you do, if you pursue, and let me tell you something, you, you, you really gotta be bold to, to be invited and to Accept God's invitation where he's going to invite you. Where he's going to invite you, you, you better be filled with the spirit of God because if not, you're not going to go. Psalm 119, 155, he says, salvation is far from the wicked for they do not seek out your words. Psalm 119, 155. Why are people so messed up in the world? Why is salvation so far from a, a success? And, because they do not seek his statutes. They do not seek his word. And so, uh, let me just touch upon another verse here. James 4, 8. Make your efforts to come near to God and he will come near to you. Begin to wash your hands. (laughs) 
things that are unclean are not to be in your realm of responsibility. God did not entrust you with uncleanness. A lot of us don't even know what that means. Cleanse your hands, man. Whatever, whatever you, whatever you are caring for, make sure it's holy things. Make sure it's things that please the Lord. And if it's not, you're, you're missing the mark. Purify your hearts. It says we go pursue with our hands that which our heart desires. You got to circumcise your heart. If you're still desiring what the world desires, something's really messed up. I, I couldn't stand to be in the realm of the legal field, seeing greedy, uh, really, we went to a party one day and everybody was sitting there, man, if, if anybody finds a wrongful death, could you please refer it to me? It's like they're, they're designing people's death so that they could be lucrative. And I was like, man, don't pray for those things because that person might be your son. That person might be your wife. That person might be your father, your mother. And so they are desiring things they know not. And so that which you're pursuing with your hands is an issue of the heart. Get Purify your hearts. And then it's a matter of your thoughts. You're thinking poo-poo. You got you to gotta renew your mind. Uh, Re, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Do not be conformed. Verse 2. Do not be like the world. Don't take their forms of what they pursue. Be transformed. Well, how do I be transformed? How is a guy who's a lawyer going to stop being a lawyer? I need to renew this mind. I need to think like God thinks. So that we might lay hold of those things that are good and acceptable and understand God's will for us. Because God did not put us on this earth to dance for Satan. He didn't put us on this earth to swim in deep waters of destruction. He didn't put me on this earth to, listen to me, I used to tell people, I'm not here in this world to buy and sell houses, a real estate lawyer. I'm not here on this earth to draft contracts with people that are fighting each other for money. I'm not, listen to me, I can do that and I do that well. I'm a good lawyer. I, I know how to represent my clients. But I, I met this one uh, attorney. He represented Eastern Airlines. And some of you will say, what is Eastern Airlines? It, it was the glory of this world. It no longer exists. And when he would sit down and tell people, I'm the attorney for Eastern Airlines, 20 years ago, that meant like I'm Donald Trump type of deal. I'm in the big leagues. But 20 years later, when that airline went bankrupt, your story went bankrupt. You just got erased off the planet. Your story doesn't mean anything. And many men have lived on this earth and their world means nothing. They didn't live for the glory of God. So do not be conformed to this world. Make sure you're not thinking and pursuing like the world. Renew your mind. Ask God, God, give me the mind of Christ because the rapture might be next week. The rapture might be next month. It might be next year and you need to prepare to live for God. Renew your mind so that you can tell what God enjoys, what is acceptable to him. And so here it is, Psalm 34, verse one. I will bless the Lord. See, one, one thing is for the Lord to bless you. But you got to get on the mode of now my life is going to bless the Lord. I'm going to be that man who will live for his glory. I will be that woman who will not compromise living for Gucci and, and all the other moochies and suchis and, and, and poochies and all that stuff. Listen to me. I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to praise him continually with my mouth. I'm going to speak to him. They were saying that yesterday. And today. Hey, don't you say anything else? I don't have anything else to say. Everything I used to say is garbage. It has no bearing. And your eternal life is at hand. And I got to do everything possible so that I can transfer that message to cause you to understand. Um, verse 2, my soul is going to boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear this and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I, I, have, I have visions and dreams that sound crazy. I see Tim going back to England and saying, I'm a world changer. And I was like, what's that? I'm going to turn England upside down for his glory. 
I'm going to be a man consumed with the fire in the presence of the Spirit of God. And so that's, that's what I see. And, and call me crazy, but I, I will hear these things and be glad. And I know that, that God will be exalted and magnified. Verse 4, how do we magnify and exalt his name together? Seeking the Lord. I sought the Lord. He heard me. He heard the cry. God is waiting for one man to say, I want to change the world. I want to change the history of my family. I want to change the generations of my descendants. One person that gets up and says, I'm going to do it different. And that's what he says. I sought the Lord. He heard me, delivered me from everything that kept me back, from every fearful intimidation. They looked upon him and were enlightened, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around him that fear him. Taste, going to tell people, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who places his confidence in God. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them who fear him. There is no want. God is not going to make you lack. It says the young lions do lack, verse 10. And they go through problems and suffer hunger, but those that seek the Lord shall not want any Listen to me. The illustrations of the minute details of my desire. Remember when I left the law firm, I said, Lord, okay, now I'm not going to be eating any more sushi because it's expensive. And the Lord started backing up truckloads of sushi here. I got sick of eating sushi. Because God will not withhold anything with descriptive methodical intent for those who live for his glory. He says, those who honor me, I will honor. And Psalm 73, 27 says, those who are far from you will perish. This is the destruction that's headed for those that have decided to continue being far from the Lord. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who have abandoned you for harlotry, for a double-minded affair of passion. And he tells Peter, he says, do you love me? then shepherd my sheep. You love me? Be around my people. You love me? Make that your concern. Make that your passion. Make sure that you are being an example. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, he tells, uh, Paul says, he fell to the ground and heard a voice to him that's saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you taking up an attitude against my people? And, and how sad, listen to me. Your friends want to talk bad about the church. They want to talk about, about Christians, about pastors. Do not let them do that in your presence. You stand up fiercely and defend the Lord bride says, of Christ. I call my people out of them. There's people in every religious system in the world. But you guys be the ones that stand up and don't sit there as they're talking about Christ and the church and the work of God upon the earth and you side with them. I'm not, I said I'm not part of that team. I'm part of that team that's being, like Moses says, he did not consider it bad to suffer with the people of God. He chose it rather than the glorious uh, uh, treasures of Egypt. The time of transition and transformation. And I hope that I really feel that God is raising up world leaders in this place. Men that, that are passionate to know God. I, I understand like Moses, you know, who is this talking? You know, how do I figure it out? But listen to me. That didn't stop him becoming the great prophet who delivered Israel. Listen to me. You're a prince. God's going to use you to change the world. Don't, don't let Satan steal that from you. It's an inheritance that's for sure for those who fear God and are passionately hunger and thirst for righteousness. And yeah, there's not many people doing it, but... You can start tonight, and that's why this message is called world-changing presence. God wants you to return and to be so filled that you would be identified. Your identity would be in that presence and not far from it, not, not separated from it, not walking in earthly pursuit. Let's go ahead and pray. You know, you should always confirm the word of God with an act that shows that you listen. Can you... Come to the altar tonight or raise your hand and say, God, but raise your hand and say, God, I want what you want. I want, I, I want the full inheritance. I don't want just a little bit. 
I want the full purpose. And I know Satan is distracting me. He's speaking to me other words. I, I have slant on my religious views and biblical perspectives. But I want you to bring clarity to my life. And you wouldn't have brought this message if you weren't serious about shooting me into the purpose of God. He says, I have you as an arrow. And I'm polishing you. Everything, every experience Paul had in the world, he was able to use fiercely for the kingdom of God. So don't be little. Don't be ashamed of what we've gone through. That's all preparation for what God's going to do in our Lord, lives. you desire, because there's so many people so distant and far, you desire to light a torch in these last days that will burn brightly and shed great light on the darkness in this world. You said that your desire is that the glory of your presence would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And Lord, those waters are huge. So we're going we're gonna to have to move in a mighty way, Lord. And I pray that you spark revival in the hearts of men and women here, young men and women, who will not compromise the call of God upon their life. That they might be able to hear clearly and loudly the voice of your spirit calling them to surrender all, to come, to lay it all down, and to come pursuing you with reckless abandonment, O oh God, without restraint, without hindrance, O oh God, that the devil cease to lie to us about the character of God's faithfulness. Father, for you detest those that are far from you, and those that come near to you, you will not, you will not cast out. You have promised that all those that come to you, you will in no way cast out, O oh God. And I pray that the robes of righteousness, the adornments of your provisions, not even Solomon in all his glory was able to adorn himself like you wanted to, Lord. I pray, Father God, that that would be the garments and the robes of righteousness and garments of praise that you place upon us, O oh God. And that we might hunger and thirst for your word and that your presence would be renewed and times of refreshing would come and prosperity and increase and we will share testimonies about this in the years to come so I pray Father God as you prepare your servants they would not be conformed to this world but that they might be transformed by the renewing of their mind knowing their God like it says in Daniel 11 verse 32 those who know God will do great exploits and you're already doing that in this place and we worship you for it and we glorify your name in Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen.